Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm your host. My mouth is numb because I was eating ice cream like a fiend the whole time during the pre-show. So I'm, I'm like talking like this a little bit. So, you know, bear with me. Uh, with me this week are my two astonishing co-hosts. Uh, the first up, she shoots laser beams out of her eyes unless she wears a ruby quartz visor. It's Liz <laughs> Harper. Well, it's those it's those ruby sunglasses. And wow. Yeah. Yep. Ruby sunglasses uh, are this, go. Also mm-hmm. with us, he teleports around, he's a fencer, he's an amazing guy, it's Joe Perez. Funnily, I actually do know how to fence. I actually belong to a longsword club. <laughs> 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 so that, it, funny, but actually factually accurate. Go figure. So, so, so do you also know how to teleport? No. Um, I'm very okay, quiet, well. though, when I, despite my size. So it may <laughs> seem like that. Hmm. No, nope. I'm sorry, you're a nightcrawler. Just accept it. Anyway, <laughs> I'm okay uh, with being Kurt Wagner. Uh, first up, before we talk about other stuff, I want to mention briefly. Well, not maybe not even briefly. Maybe we'll do the whole show about it. I don't know. Uh, but it's the seven year anniversary of a little website you might know. And if you don't know it, I don't know how you got to this this <laughs> podcast because it's Blizzard Watch. That's that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Blizzard Watch. It's uh, our seven years this year. Um, I think. Was it actually February 1st? Like, what, when was, was the day? It was, because AOL cut us off at the end of January. January That's 31st right. was the last day of WoW Insider, and we just rolled immediately over, and we had the first Blizzard Watch podcast, and it's like, there you go. So yeah, seven years, guys. Oh, Time is wild. an inexorable vortex that drags us all further and further. I don't know how this happened. Deep, deep, dark, black waters of whatever <laughs> this is. Um but yeah, seven years. That's pretty amazing. Uh, a lot of stuff has happened. We've done done quite a few posts. Uh, talked about, I think, oof, wow, seven years. How many? When was the, I think it was Warlords of Draenor? Was that our first uh, WoW expansion oh, that we talked about? I don't remember. It's been too long. But we've definitely covered quite a few. Um, I, I will say that in this time, we have written 13,904 posts. Yeah. Yeah. So a few, a few, one or two. So, yeah. um, So there you go. Uh, I think we have new shirts or new new merch in general. Um, 
to be honest, uh, my week's been kind of crazy, so I haven't been paying mm-hmm. attention. But I know you talked about us getting a new shirt. Yeah, we have a new, if y'all are listening to the podcast, which I assume you are because that's how I'm communicating with you right now, uh, you've probably seen the new podcast art. That was really cool art by Noxichu. And uh, we now have for the anniversary, we have shirts, mugs, all sorts of things with uh, the new podcast art on it with new phoenixes in blue, in purple for Lorewatch, and in orange for Tavern Watch. I think they look amazing. Noxichu really knocked it out of the park with art. So cool. That's all. Hmm? That's, uh, I keep, keep remembering that it's been seven years and then my brain goes, yeah. And, you know, there's a, yeah. There's a moment. But yeah. So yeah, I wanted to mention that up before we started talking about, you know, wow and other stuff. Um, the big thing, which was something that I know I've written more than one post trying to get to happen. Uh, I know that Joe's mentioned it. I know that Liz has mentioned it. Uh, we're finally going to get cross-faction World of Warcraft uh, in patch 9.2, no less. Is it 9.2? Or is it 9.2.5? 9.2.5. They did yeah. say they weren't going to get ready immediately, but we will get it before the next expansion. And it's that's kind of crazy, because for years now, uh, we have, you know, not just us, it's been a big thing that a lot of people in the community have said, you know, can we have this? And there's always been, no, we want to keep the war in Warcraft. It's always been orcs versus humans. And we want to hold on to that. Uh, but I remember saying uh, right around, I want to say July, because it's June or July, whenever we found out about the lawsuit and certain people who weren't working at Blizzard anymore, I remember saying that one of the things that was going to happen was that we were finally going to get cross faction because the people that argue the hardest against it aren't there anymore. Um, and that's kind of, I, I'm willing to say that that's what I think happened just now. That's what I think this is. The reason that this has been worked on, the reason that's going to happen is because the roadblock people aren't there anymore. Um, and I'm personally very happy that they're making this change. I think cross-faction gameplay is something that should have always been in the uh, faction. Sh- your, your choice of faction shouldn't keep you from playing with your friends. You should be able to play with the people you're friends with without having to decide, oh, well, I don't want to play any of these people. Like these aren't races that interest me. This isn't a faction that interests me. But I have to in order to raid with my friends or t- to hang out with my friends in, in game. I, I don't see how that benefited anybody ever, and and I don't see how it helped World of Warcraft. And I certainly don't think that the the expansion that really went in on faction conflict was the one that I think really hurt the game in a lot of ways. Uh, quite frankly, I think Battle for Azeroth had a lot of negative impact because it the, probably because of the advertising to be honest the you know people in the store staring at each other with hate because they play in different factions in a video game not a compelling reason to play that game in my opinion so but now i've talked about that for a long time <laughs> now you guys are here you can talk about it uh who wants to talk about it first liz go first <laughs> all of these volunteers i mean uh you know i switched from uh alliance to horde recently i've Gone back and forth a few times. First, I played Alliance. Then I went over to play with friends on Horde. Then I went back to play with friends on Alliance. And now I'm back to playing with friends on Horde. And, uh, you know, that was a couple years ago that I swapped back to Horde. And just like immediately, I still get, um, you know, messages from friends just like, oh, I wish we could play together. I wish we could raid together. I miss, I miss having you. Uh, I miss chatting with healing about you because, uh, I used to raid with a different shaman, not Joe, sorry. 
there there have been other shamans in my life. There are no other um, shamans, only me. <laughs> and Padilla, uh, Padilla, and you, Padilla counts. And uh, we used to heal each uh, with each other, and we'd gossip back and forth, you know, during during raid nights, and you know that that was a big social thing that we don't do anymore. We don't talk as much anymore because we don't play Warcraft together anymore. And that's that's really sad. It's really sad. So I am looking forward to going back and being able to play with people just because I just because they're my friends. That is amazing. That is so fantastic. And I mean that's that's really it. I mean I get to play games with my friends. Yeah. I I don't <laughs> disagree with that at all. Joe, you're up. Uh this is something I've been waiting for for a very, very long time, and I know this is something that internal teams have been vocal about wanting to do for a long, long time. Uh because like we said, we we talk about it on Lore Watch all the time. We talk about it here. We've talked about it so many times that I've lost I've lost track of it. It's World of Warcraft is a game that reversed what happened in Warcraft 3 without actually maybe intending to uh because it was so caught up on the uh the the faction divide and yeah that's it, it's just not where we're at anymore it's not where a lot of players are at and some players can still feed into that there's still PVP but this just makes sense this makes sense for where the narrative has been going for years uh especially now where they're they're looping back and doubling back down on looks and we've been trying to, you know, have a cohesive story. That's is something larger and better and involves everybody and not just single factions. It's not just about factions hating each other. It's not just about warfare anymore. We've had so much shared survival that, yeah, it makes sense that people would band together. Even if they're from different factions, you would have orcs and humans at some point being like, listen, uh, Matt brought this up when we were talking about it on Lore Watch one time. One of them farms pigs. The other one farms pumpkins. You think they're not going to trade at some point because one's going to want pork and the other one's going to want pumpkins. It's going to happen, <laughs> right? Like it, it's, it just makes sense and it makes it feel more like the world that we're given in story versus the world that we're given in game. So I'm all here for it. On a selfish level, I'm here for it because I have a lot of friends across both factions and they're getting to a point where we're in that sort of content drought. And I shouldn't say really content drought, but we're, we're waiting for the next uh, stuff to open up so that we can go ahead and work our way towards uh, raiding or, or whatever is going to happen with us. And as a result, a lot of guilds are doing that thing where they take a break between tiers, and that's perfectly normal. But if they want to get together and have fun, some of them aren't able to get some runs off the ground for their alts because they don't have healers. I can't go heal for them if they're on their alliance guild. You know, I, I they can't help me if we're, you know, short for DPS for something like that. So this just makes perfect sense. It just adds more flexibility for players to actually play the game. And eliminating that that sort of artificial barrier for that stuff is great. And yes, you can still have the factions. The factions can still be important for story, but the game mechanics don't necessarily have to be 100% married to that faction divide anymore. And it's great to see that actually happening. And we know that the technology has been there for a while with mercenary mode. Now it's making sure that mercenary mode is compatible with the dungeons and the raids, obviously not the ones that have faction specific things like uh, the tournament, the Argent Argent tournament. Yeah, tournament champions. Or, uh, um, Trial of the Crusader. That's it. The one where you have to. The one where and, you have to have the weird PvP fight. Um, Battle for Dazara lore. Yep. And uh, Ice Crown Citadel. Well, Battle for Dazara lore is weird because at one well, point in time you do the other faction story. 
Yes, but they've specifically said those three raids will not be available at launch because there's these cross-faction elements in them that they need to work on and figure out how to handle. I, I So for I better or worse, those won't be available immediately. And that's, I think that's fine. I think that's good. Yeah. Honestly, it's more content that it's more content than we've had being able to work with and play with our friends in a long time. So I'm all here for it. And, you know, shout out to my friends in stands in bed because you'll probably be having a pocket <laughs> healer when I'm not doing anything else. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my thoughts on it. I'm super I'm just super excited. Like, I remember I think I got as many messages about this as I did the act the Microsoft buying Activision when it comes to like people direct messaging me on Twitter and discord. Uh, it was, it was pretty good. So super excited. All right. Uh, because Joe reminded me of it, this is just a general news thing. It's not even really a, it's just a general video game news thing, but Sony bought Bungie. Yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, not nearly as big a, a purchase as buying Activision Blizzard, but it is funny that to see Sony's response to, uh, Microsoft buying Activision is stop. Bungie. It's not a response to it. They've been working on it for months. I know, but it still feels like a response. Yeah, that's the point. It, it has that weird sense that each company is out there maneuvering, looking to own as many game studios as possible. And that's well, I mean, that's the truth. Bizarre. Yeah, and it is the truth. It's because of oh, it's a lot of things. That's let's. That's not a big news story that we really need to talk too much about. I just wanted to mention it because we talk so much about the Activision. Uh, Blizzard purchase, and it is interesting to see Sony has now bought Bungie. Uh, at this rate, I don't know if there will be any game companies that are not owned by Microsoft or Sony soon, except maybe Amazon Game Studios and Ubisoft. Because I don't think they're going to get. I don't think they, they Ubisoft is never going to want to sell. They, yeah, they absolutely do not want to. Yeah. For that matter, EA might. Too, but moving well, on, there's a Take Two is pretty big as well. Oh yeah, ten cents. Take Two and Tencent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's some there's still some big ones out there, but it makes sense that Microsoft and Sony are gobbling up game developers to build out more content for their mutual and competing platforms. Yeah. But to now talk about stuff that's uh, more related to what we usually talk about, <laughs> the uh, Lunar Festival's live. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's live from now till February 10th. Uh, that to is the- correct. Yeah. And there's absolutely nothing new since 2018. Mm, yeah. So for the past four mm, years, it's yeah. been exactly the same. So, um, but unless you guys feel real motivated to talk about that, um, I would move on, but it's I, up to you guys. I do have some strong feelings about the flower crowns. Flower crowns are great and you should go get one because if you have, if you're one of those people who's like, I'm not going to bother with this, it's the same old thing. Uh, back, I guess in 2018, now <laughs> they added flower crowns that you can transmog all the time, cosmetic flower crowns. And if you like flowers, and why wouldn't you? You should make sure you get those before the Lunar Festival is gone. Okay, flower crowns. That's good to know. Yeah. You can't transmog those I, year round. You can only do it during the festival, right? Or no, you no, can, you, you, you can. can, you can. Ah, but it's like, do something. It's like a it's a special quest to go and get them. Like yeah. there are the ones you can only wear during the festival that are like temporary, but there are transmogable ones. Yeah, it's they they very specifically put it in and put the quest in for people who wanted to have them full time. That's Yeah, you you have to do there are four of them in different colors and you have to do a specific quest to get each one that involves gathering flowers from different parts of the world to make your special flower crown. Worth <laughs> doing. Go do it. I if you like go. flowers and transmog. I should probably go get a flower crown. Yeah. <laughs> uh also live right now, um 
in WoW, in WoW Classics, uh, Burning Crusade Classic, a Black Temple and Battle for Mount Hydra went live and were already beaten. Yeah, I believe they yeah. were both cleared the same. Yep. Uh, that, but that's, that's the case. Um, I'm not really surprised because a, I, well, I mean, Black Temple was a bit of a sticking block at the time, but we, my guild blew up Mount Hygel at the time. Like Mount Hygel did not take us long to clear. It is in a lot of ways, the most straightforward of the raids from BC. I, up um, until you hit Archimond, I think I would agree with you. Up until Archimond, Archimond is a bit of a, is a bit of a struggle, but it's nothing like Kalthos. Quite frankly, the Kalthos fight was the the hardest fight we had to go through. Uh, and the reason it was so hard wasn't because it itself was mechanically too sophisticated. It's because it was so graphically intense that half of our raid was operating at like three frames per second. Yeah, I remember all that. the spell yeah. effects and all the legendaries and just was like, ah, so yeah, I honestly think that that fight, the Kael'thas fight was the hardest fight to execute in Burning Crusade. Not talking about Sunwell. Because Sunwell feels like its own thing to talk about, quite frankly. Sun- Sunwell is like three different raids, really, if you really th- if yeah. want to break it down. Yeah, but regardless, I wasn't amazed that this happened. But at the same time, it does make me think more about them getting a season of Mastery together for BCC. Uh, I think they should do that once they're done with all this, once they've got the uh, this, the Sunwell raid out. They should absolutely do a, a season of Mastery for BCC because... It's fascinating to see this stuff get cleared super fast, but it's also somewhat disheartening. Like mm. I think to a certain degree, I think the players would like it to be a little harder. Uh, and I, I'm seeing them add stuff to fights like for Blackwing Lair makes me want to see them add them in a Burning Crusade Classic as well. And that's a segue to the fact that we've got Blackwing Lair in the Season of Mastery now with the added yep. changes. It's not now? Yeah. So I put that in the notes. Yes, you did. But I was it's okay. scrolling down to read Liz's thing, so my apologies. <laughs> I was no, I was just <laughs> proud of myself because I remembered. I was like, because last time I put notes together, I forgot dates and I was like, oh <laughs> it's, yeah, more, it's more I want a cookie name. Um <laughs> have they do we know yet if they've if they've changed other fights or just the fights we heard about so far? I'm sure they've added stuff to the Nefarian fight. I haven't heard about it, but I'm sure there are going to be new th- mechanics considering how much they've added to the other fights. Um, it would be like Chromagus, Chromagus, especially if anyone here is familiar with the Chromagus fight, there was a mechanic where he did these breaths, these different kinds of breaths. And you would like, hide you would go out of line of sight so you didn't get hit by them because if you did you were going to die a horrible death uh and now you can't line of sight them i'm just like that just hurts my head i can't imagine this fight without that so it's mm-hmm. well you, you it's can't be interesting if you do a very specific thing yeah yeah it, it's it it's like they went and said hey the Cintragosa fight that was that was painful right you guys thought the Cintragosa <laughs> fight was kind of painful what if that during Chromagus, are you for real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna take that <laughs> part where there's the ice thing you have to get behind. We're gonna put that in the Chromagus fight. Oh my god, why would you do this to me? Well, because you reasons. must suffer. Because reasons. Yeah. So, well, but yeah, you're right. It is. It is very hard to imagine not being able to just go around the corner and, and not get that because man, that was a mechanic that that completely destroyed raids until you figured that one out. So yeah. Um. 
I think it's really interesting that WoW Classic has gone from no changes, like that was a big thing, no changes, we want it exactly the way it was, and a perfect recreation. And they've gone from no changes to some changes to, actually, we want a whole lot of changes. We want we want what WoW Classic felt like, not necessarily what WoW Classic was. Uh, because back in the day, these raids were very difficult. But now we live in an era where there are so many, uh, we have so much better communication. We have so many better resources. We know everything about fights before you go into them. And all of this knowledge, all of this improved coordination, all of this stuff makes it a lot easier to tackle these fights. So we're seeing guilds blow through them. And a lot of people want that kind of classic experience where this is hard, this is familiar, but also it's a little bit new. And it's still challenging and fun. So I think it's really interesting that we're getting a season of mastery. And we're also seeing something a little bit like this in uh, Diablo 2, where patch 2.4, which we still don't have a date for, is adding class balance changes mm -hmm. to this remastered version of Diablo 2. They are adding new rune words, and they're rebalancing the classes to try and make less popular, less viable builds options. So you don't just have like one good build. You have a bunch of choices, which I think sounds awesome. And uh, I think that's a really interesting thing to do. So you can have the experience of these old games, but not necessarily, it's it's not necessarily the same game. It's still something fresh and fun. What's interesting about that, the uh, Diablo 2 uh, change, the, the patch 2.4, Mm -hmm. is that some of the stuff that they're bringing back is technically stuff that was in the game files, but was just never executed. Mm -hmm. So several of the rune words, uh, I think the ones that were, I can't remember which ones it were, but at least two of them were stuff that was, that was in the game. It existed. People had data mined it years ago, but it was never implemented. So no one ever saw them. And that's interesting to me because it's like, how much of that do they have to use? And how much of it is going to be the brand new stuff? Like some of the rune words are brand new. They've never been anywhere. No one's ever seen them before. So there's a really interesting mix of stuff that just never got into the game and stuff that's brand new that really, I, it's just I, seeing them approach this from a completely different perspective than I ever, I've never seen a remaster do this. You know, I've been playing a remaster pretty solidly for the past couple of months, thanks to, to somebody buying it for Christmas. And <laughs> at no point do they suddenly just add in a whole new stuff. You know, there's no DLC where it's like, oh, by the way, you know, here, here's some DLC that, like, you know, that tells you new stuff. It just isn't usually done. So it is fascinating to see it. There's, I'm trying to think what the phrasing, like how I want to phrase it, but like, it's the difference between like an actual, like remastered living game and just an upscaled uh, piece of history. So like in the past, we've seen a lot of games that have gone through like, the treatment of getting updated to run on modern hardware. And as a matter of fact, if you have like Xbox game pass or anything like that, there there's tons of games on there that existed uh, on machines that no longer are possibly viable to really run uh, or existed on like Xbox 360 or X, the first Xbox um, that are running on your modern PC, which they were never intended to do. Uh, same with some of the Sony stuff that was intended to run on like, old Unix and now runs on a PC or runs on the PS five, but those games are updated and given like a graphics overhaul, but nothing changes with them. So they, are they really a remaster at that point? And then you have stuff like this where 
maybe the original intent was just to have them upscaled, but now you have people that are passionate about it, right? And this is, I think, where I would like to see stuff like this go. And it's really nice. Like, at this point, WoW Classic should be called WoW Remastered, as far as I'm concerned. It's, you know, got all the benefits of modern technology. They're adding changes. They're doing things like that. Diablo 2 is doing exactly what I wanted them to do with it, with the class balances and the rune words, and, and looking at where they can add new stuff and make changes that make sense for it to make it more in line with modern sensibilities, and it's still participating in active development. I actually really, really love that. I, I wish more games were like that instead of just, I'll use God of War as an example. As much as I love the PS4 God of War game, they just upscaled it for the PS5 and did nothing to it. And then you have the Spider-Man game where they upscaled it for the PS5 and then added a whole bunch of stuff, right? So I don't know. It's it's just good to see that it, they're they're not just fossils being propped up in a museum and like held together with wire. They're being given life again. And it's really, it's fun. It's good times. When it works. I when mean, it works. You shouldn't, there's a, did you ever play the game 13 or X? Yes. I, I, I. Yes. Do you remember when they Suda. remastered that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it went from cool uh, and distinctive and interesting to bland and dull because they made it look realistic. Yeah, that was a weird choice. But wasn't wasn't that also because like Suda Fifty One wasn't involved in that or something like that? Probably. I I only just remember like recently seeing the stuff from it and thinking, oh my god, but what, then, a, what a nightmare. But then they remastered um uh No More Heroes from the Wii to the Switch, gave it a graphics overhaul and made some quality of life improvements with like the controls and fixed a whole bunch of stuff and like did like that did a good job of like updating the game and making it no, more than been, just a fossil, there, right? Like there've been ones that have been good and ones yeah. that have been bad. Oh, there's definitely um, bad the ones. One that, the one that was like another one that was good, I think was actually uh deuce, one of the deuce X human revolution when they actually, they didn't just update it. They actually fixed the fight. Yes. Yeah. So you could yeah, actually yeah. do it. If you were doing a non-combat and, uh, playthrough you could actually still do this fight we could talk about that for hours that's a whole other thing though too because that was but yeah so basically the point being you know that it's interesting to see these companies moving into the idea of remastering as an attempt as a as a way to not just give you the same game experience again but to actually extend the life of the game and and i'm kind of hoping that maybe this would be a cause since they're doing it for diablo 2 and uh because wow classics getting this treatment that maybe they'll actually go back and Warcraft 3 Reforged will get some attention and care and love and make it a good game again. Like, I know they've done some stuff to it, but I'd love to see them give it more attention. But regardless, uh, I think that pretty much covers everything we had in the emails. We've talked about all the various news stories. So I guess we're going to move on to talking about um, your emails to us and questions for us. So I'm going to just do the whole spiel. Sorry. Uh, it's been a week. I'm, I'm a little groggy, so you'll have to forgive me for being a bit meandering. But uh, if you've got a question for us here at the uh, Blizzard Watch podcast, please email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show and not the two other podcasts we do. Man, we do a lot of podcasts now. Buy a shirt. Anyway. Um, <laughs> or a hoodie. Mine should be go here to, soon. Yeah, go to a Discord, our Discord specifically, not just any Discord's it would have to be our discord. I don't, I don't check other people's discords, but you can go to our discord and you can go to the patron Q and podcast questions channel. If you're a patron of the site and we, we will check and make sure that you've got some questions for us there first. And then we check in the Q questions channel for non patrons, because we do want to uh, 
you know, we don't want to like. We love you as much. You we love yeah. you as much as our patrons. Just we love the patrons a little bit more because they help us. Well, yeah, we we actually, you know, it's one of the things they get for that. <laughs> but uh, we got a bunch of questions here, so I'm going to uh, hold on one second. I'm going to roll a die. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, who wants to be even and who wants to be odd? I'll take odds. That sounds fun. All right. Okay, Liz, you're up. First question. <laughs> Um, Yurisha asks, with 9.2 on the horizon, what's your favorite WoW patch of all time? Not expansion, just single patch. That is such a hard question. Um, yeah, someone else, someone else start with this. Joe, Joe, what do you think? I've been thinking about this one. I actually don't know. (laughs) Um, I don't know what patch I would really consider the, my favorite. I've never really given it thought until this question. I mean, Matt, do you have one that you yep, can think patch of? 1.12. <laughs> yeah, because here's the thing. I've I've been playing this game for a very long time. And there have been expansions I've loved and patches I've loved and all that stuff. But patch 1.12 was the first time like that I really felt that a patch was a patch. That it was like before that, you know, we did when we did our rating schedule and stuff stuff would come out and we'd go do it, but it never, it never felt like this is changing everything. This is a real big deal. The game isn't the same anymore. And I'm not saying it wasn't, I'm just saying that for me, it did not feel that way. But when Nexramas came out, uh, the original 40 man Nexramas and the fights were so difficult and everything was different. And I, I, this is the, this is the patch where I went from guy who tanks sometimes because my guild some needs off tanks but most of the time I swing a big red hammer to, okay, we need you to be a tank. We need you to actually tank for us. That's your dedicated role. That's what you're going to be doing. Uh, because there were so many fights in next Ramas where you needed a third or a fourth tank. Um, and I was the one willing to do it. I was the one willing to basically put my, take myself off of priority for DPS gear and just get tank gear. Um, that's what I was doing. I, I we went back and ran Blackwing Lair a few times to make sure I had the full uh, tier two set just to get the set bonuses, and I that's what I did in Naxxramas. I tanked, and as a result of that, that's the that is the patch where I basically finally accepted tanking as my thing, and it became kind of part of my class identity up to like all the way to level sixty. I did not tank, like I did not like to tank. I didn't even understand it because it's not something that actually happens in the the DM decides what the monsters do. and most of the video games I played were single player or like small party games. And they still felt like D and D like Baldur's gate or Neverwinter nights. This wow was my first real MMO. If you don't count city heroes. Um, and it played very differently from city heroes. So city heroes, I, I was, you know, I knew what like the various things were, but in, in wow, I had very stubbornly tried to keep playing it like a, like a, t- a tabletop role-playing game. And it was patch 1.12 where I realized, no, okay, I got to, this guild really needs somebody to step up and do this. Uh, I've been, I'd been kind of like, I'd been doing it when it was necessary, but this was, that was the patch where I adopted that as part of my identity and it stayed part of my identity up until my eyes started to go. So yeah, one, patch 1.12, the next Ramos patch. I think based off of like going on, riffing off of what you've thrown out there, patch 3.1.0. Uh, th- this is the patch that they introduced Alduar and the Argent Tournament, not the raid 
not 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 the tournament champions circle. The world quests yes. where you're building you're building yes. the, the area. I remember those. I actually really liked that. And I I'm not a player that generally likes daily quests. I tend to really abhor them unless I am forced to do them. Uh, because they tend to be very repetitive, but the Argent tournament ones for the time were actually fun. Uh, they were different. They were, they weren't necessarily, yes, they were repetitive, but they weren't exactly the same thing as all the other world quests that we had been doing really up until that point. And then Alduar was just one of those awe-inspiring moments for me in particular for a couple of reasons. One, uh, it was one of the the first times I got to raid lead as an actual raid leader and not a class lead or something like that. And some of you folks may not remember class leads, but raids were so large that you literally had people that were just in charge of specific classes because tasks were so drilled down and specific on what you needed to do that you couldn't have one person barking orders to 40 people and expect everybody to be on top of everything. Um so you had class leaders that would like go through and like make sure all the like in my case the shamans were okay but then when it came to raid time it wasn't you it wasn't the same thing right like i would make sure everybody was good and then we would just operate but in Alduar, i was actually coordinating healing cooldowns and dividing healers and then running to the raid and moving groups around and you know what tanks are doing what and it was one of the first times that i got to really fully orchestrate everything and it felt really good it felt fun not just because I like being in control of things because I'm a very tactical mind, as I've been told multiple times, uh, but because at the end of it, it was a sense of accomplishment where it's like, okay, the plan came together. We accomplished everything as a group and I got to like point everybody in the right direction. And it's a collective like defeating a boss as a ra- as a, a raid player at the time for me. Yeah, it was good. It was rewarding. It was a shared thing. But knowing that you helped direct everybody there, at least for me, was just like this huge like okay, this feels really good. I made everybody happy. I got everybody to a happy point. Um, so it, it stuck out for me. And then that was also the uh, time when the healers in the group made it a point to shove a legendary down my throat. Uh, like, I didn't have a say in it. They literally just told me I was getting it, and it happened. Uh, and then getting that done and going through everything that it was to get all the pieces together and complete the quest to to finish Volunteer at level at time and then doing everything together as a group and having everybody actually genuinely happy. It's just a good set of memories revolve around that particular patch. Uh, You know, it's where one of my friends proposed to his now wife in the middle of our raid, uh, you know, and I got to cheer them on and and stuff like that. Like there's just a lot of really good memories uh, revolving around that patch. So, all right, Liz, you're up now. It's your turn. Uh, I'm going to say patch 2.0, which uh, Burden Crusade was such a big deal for me. I switched over to Horde, and I still play a, a Blood Elf Paladin, the literal exact same character that I played the day Burning Crusade was released. Um, I switched classes. I'd been playing a priest, and I switched over to Paladin because Paladins wear plate armor, and you don't die instantly when you inevitably pull healing aggro. Um and that was a big thing. I just joined a new guild with uh, a bunch of friends, and uh, Karazan was out there. And it was just, I really loved raiding Karazan. I was with a smaller guild at the time, so we couldn't, we couldn't field a giant raid team to do things like Black Temple when they came out. We couldn't do the big raids. 
But Karazhan, you know, it's this small 10-player raid. And we could go in there and do that. And it was just great to be able to raid in an environment that was more casual. On the Alliance side, I'd been playing with a competitive guild, which was doing uh, not like world first or anything, but server first. And uh, that was really taxing. <laughs> you know, you were like, if you were online, you were expected to be doing stuff for the guild. And that was that was it. That was your job. And it was just... Uh, so it was nice to be able to finally raid for fun and just experience stuff with friends. And that's just, that was a good time for me. I mean, there have been lots of good times in WoW, but I I really remember that, you know, Burning Crusade coming out and being able to, you know, raid with friends instead of raiding for raiding's sake for really the first time. And that was, that was a good time. Yeah. Okay. Warm that's memories all around. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Warm, warm, fuzzy feelings. All right. Uh, since we've, I think we've answered that pretty effectively. You guys feel like you've gotten everything out? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then uh, Joe, you're sure. up next. Uh, this comes from our friend Tetsemi. Question for whoever gets to it first. Uh, do you think the development teams ever get disheartened by guide writers and class specialists when they write the best X for Y class article? I mean, the developers try and give everyone interesting choices for playstyles, and it always seems to break down to if you are not playing X way, you're not optimal playing the class correctly. So why do the devs bother creating all the other options? I got one for this. Go ahead. My first response is, quite frankly, if you care enough to read sites that tell you that kind of thing, you are a minority. The vast majority of World of Warcraft players, or in any video game really, do not do that. And it is actually interesting that people don't really know this. That, that Most people who play World of Warcraft, I'm going to keep using WoW as an example because it feels you know germane to this. Most people who play World of Warcraft don't look up don't look up anything. Like I remember back when we when I was writing, I was writing a lot of class guides. That was one of the things that I was expected to do for for warriors. And I remember meeting a guy who played an arms warrior, but he'd gone into fury enough to get dual wielding, and and not just get it because you could you could dual wield you know even if you didn't have anything in fury. But he'd gotten some of the stuff to make dual wielding work better, and he was a dual wielding arms warrior. He was, and he wasn't Titan's grip because his Titan's grip didn't exist yet. And when I asked him about it, he had no idea what I was talking about when I mentioned the thirty-one-five-fifteen spec. He's like, "What? What is that? I don't know what that is." And that's always stuck with me. Like guide writing guides are for players who are deliberately attempting to optimize or min-max, and that's not all players or even most players. And the games are not designed just for the players who optimize. They have to be designed for a wide swath of people. There are people who just want to get on, do some stuff in their character, maybe run a dungeon or two with their friends, and then be done. And they don't want to sit down and think about, what's the best build? Like, how can I get the most out of my character? How can I optimize my DPS? How can I get my healing rotation to like work better for this fight? That's rare. That's not mm -hmm. everybody. So... I don't think they're dispirited. They understand that there are people who will do that, but they know also that there are plenty of people who won't do that, and they need to balance the game for both groups. Um, but that's just my two cents on it. I agree with a lot of what Matt said. Um, I know that some devs in the past that I personally know have sometimes taken some things personally. 
uh, when they pour their heart into something and work on something uh, and like it's either a taken out of context or uh, be skipped over because it's quote unquote suboptimal. Some of them do feel that I'm not going to say it's a, it's a collection of people, right? Like everybody's going to have their own reaction to it. Some are going to, some are going to take it harder than others. Some are not going to look at it like that. Uh, but Matt's most, I think Matt's right where they mostly are just trying to create a game. That's it's fun for everybody. The people that are going to min max, but also the people that are going to be like the vast majority of us. And, you know, I, I, we have a joke in my guild where we have two players that or three players that tend to uh, we call them outliers. They're just naturally inclined to kind of like just go ham. And it's not a bad thing. We love them for it. Um, but the rest of us are just like, yeah, I'm just going to do this because it's fun. And they're like, yeah, but it's not optimal. They're not trying to get us to do it, but they're like, I'm going to do this because it's optimal. Um still love them they're still great to play with but they're it's just two different walks of life like it's just how it is and i think you're going to find as much variation in people that do that and look at it that way to people that are working on these games and how they feel about it as well and i mean and matt's also right uh about i guess liz can tell me to shut up but a little inside baseball stuff (laughs) you may notice that like our website doesn't do a whole lot of guides anymore we haven't for a long time and the truth is, is because you guys don't read them most people don't read them. They don't. You most people aren't looking for hardcore guides on how to play the game anymore. That used to be the case when in the the before times when the game wasn't institutional knowledge and hadn't been around for years, and people had a, like an instinctual understanding of how it is because we've all been playing for almost twenty years. Um, in the early days, you could get away with that because every different way that you wanted to play the game or people could figure out. We were sharing with it. Hell, my blogging career started with writing on various different ways to play Resto Shaman uh, on my own blog and then on World of Maticus and then for the, our site, right? It, But it falls off after a certain point. More people care about editorial stuff now and where can I have fun in the game? What are things that I can do that'll be entertaining? Not where do I shove my talent points to be the best uh, of XYZ anymore. It's just, it's just not where it's at. So, yeah, I mean, I don't I... think I don't think anybody takes it too hard but yeah sorry go ahead liz i i have a very different take on the class guide thing than actually either of you um well let me start by talking about why we do not write guides you are correct that it's because we don't get a lot of readership on guides but i think that's because there are really good guides that get out there by really high-end players they get out really fast they present Big chunks of information in digestible formats. Like you go to IC. Okay, if I'm playing a new class, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not even sure where to start. I'm going to go to Icy Veins because they have like a quick, like, like basically a quick start guide for every class. And they say, put your talents here. You know, this is your rotation. And, you know, Icy Veins will even break it out for different levels. Okay, you're leveling. This is your rotation at this level. And that's, I mean, that's not perfect, but that's a great place to get started. And because there are these other sites that put out super, super, super comprehensive guides that are just really solid resources, uh, they do it quickly. They update them quickly when there are changes. We cannot compete with that. Um, For one, we don't have, we are not all like top tier players, not to say that we're bad players, but we're more, I would say, average players. Oh, we also just, Um, we we literally were just talking about this in, in work chat, I think last night, was it? Maybe the night before, mm-hmm. like we some we some of us used to be like that, but we just don't want to anymore. Like it's just not where we're at. So 
Yeah. No offense taken. Uh, yeah. But I, but I think, you know, there are places out there that do this really well and we can't compete and we don't want to compete because we aren't, uh, most of us here aren't that kind of player anymore. And, uh, uh, the developers have made a point, I believe Ian Hezacostas a while back made a comment about how the game, the player base has gotten older mm-hmm. and we've changed. We've changed. We've, uh, we've grown up, you know, we may have started this and we were in college and now we're, now we're all grown up. There are people with kids and wives and obligations and things we didn't have when we started playing the game. And uh, that means kind of, we have slightly different wants and needs. We, uh, a lot of us, you know, don't want to do that top tier high end rating experience. And uh, I think that's really changed the landscape. Um, also, I think video th- did, did contributed to that as well, too. Wouldn't would you say like the rise of like YouTube videos and like, Twitch streams yeah, also there, kind of affected that as well? There are a lot of guides that go there and a lot of reference information that goes there. We've really seen, you know, over the course of WoW's lifetime, the death of class blogs. Back in the early days, there were blogs for every class. Mm-hmm. You know, there were tons of them. There was a huge community of bloggers. That does not exist anymore. Just not at all. Uh, most information is consolidated on big sites like Icy Veins and Wowhead. And that's where you go to. You don't... So the class blogs have kind of broken down. You have like discords and you have a bunch of YouTubers and a bunch of streamers, but you don't get those kind of individual mm-hmm. class blogs. People are not looking for that anymore. Um, okay, looping back around to the guides, uh, I don't know necessarily if developers get discouraged, but I do think people use guides more than y'all, the two of you are maybe giving them credit for. And it's not necessarily because they want to optimize and be the best player possible and min-max and, you know, it's just they're trying to get started, they're having trouble, they're going to go to, they're going to go to one of these websites, and they're going to look at the class guide. And they're going to go say, okay, I need to put my talents here, 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 and here. And uh, I need to press these buttons. Like you can get add-ons even that will, you know, light up buttons when you should be pressing them to do the optimal rotation. I mean, it's built into the standard. It's built into the base UI. They have that already. Like, Um, but I I agree. I I think I understand what you're saying. And I think maybe you're right with some of that as well. Like maybe we're approaching it from the wrong angle. So. I mean, I think a lot of players, you know, go in and they look this stuff up and then they never think about it again. But I think they do look it up. And it's not necessarily because they want to be the best there is. It's because they want to just have a really easy starting place. Because if you log into WoW, you have a lot of buttons and it's like, okay, or, what do I press now? What do I press now? And it just makes it easy to I'm, just look at a guide. I'm kind of curious, though, how many people actually go to a guide for that or ask a friend or ask somebody they know plays the class. Cause like, and I, this is just me like having a part of the conversation. Like I, I'm not saying you're wrong or anything like that. Cause I think, I think you're absolutely right. And I didn't think of it from that angle, but also like, I know like when I was doing Hunter stuff, I was literally asking people in guild before looking up anything online. And I know I still get messages from people like, what do I do for this and that? And I'm wondering how many, because of how social the game is now, not just in game itself between real ID, but discord communities as well, but like guild discords and things like that. Like, do we count those as guides or are the, is that just like the social compact thing? So like, I'm kind of curious about that. I'm, I wonder how much that had to do with it. So hmm. um, I'm just really yeah. glad that I managed to sit here this entire time and not say anything. I want <laughs> someone to notice me. Senpai. Uh, <laughs> do you guys think you, you 
we could probably move on or you want to keep going on this? You're in charge. We can talk about this for uh, for another 15 minutes or you can move it move it on. You're you're the I, I want to move it on because I actually there's a question slash statement in here that I wanted to like really fast hit up uh, that I'm going to actually read. Uh, it's from KTS Stories. Um, and it's yep. I don't know that this is really a question, but could we get another reminder to people to not to abuse the devs? Saw someone screaming at people that they could, they didn't apologize enough for being wrong about cross-faction in their announcement. And all I could think was, you got what you wanted, and so you're going to curse out the people who helped you get it? And <laughs> yeah. this is something that I have seen. And Reddit like I said, accessible. Uh, yeah, like I've said before, I mean, I think everybody here has wanted cross-faction from the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. you wanted it for years. Um, but, you know, developers are... <sighs> there's no developer... Even even Ian Hazakostas can't simply just make things happen in World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. It is an enormous game with a lot of technical reasons for things being the way they are. And doing something like this is not simple. Doesn't mean it's not possible, but you're always making choices. And I, I don't think people really realize this, that the situation at Blizzard has changed. There are different people working there now. And they've, you know, I think it was going, going back a few months now to when Ian Hesekostas gave an interview talking about what their what they at, at world in the World of Warcraft team had learned since all the uh, the lawsuits began happening, how they talked they talked about reevaluating how they did things, and part of reevaluating how you do things is to reconsider things you've done before and how how to apply them. It, it really isn't ever that they don't want; it, they're just being stubborn. It's not that they just don't want to give you the thing you want. That is not the case. They, unless the thing you want is something really, you know, like I want my character to just kill everything with one shot. No, obviously they don't want to let you do that. But it, it isn't this this idea that you know they should be on their bellies, like you know, prostrating themselves. We were wrong. We were wrong. You know, it's it's a game, guys. It it, it only a game. Why you have to be mad? Um, I just yeah, I, I don't I don't understand this, and I've seen it like to the point where I remember. Uh, a tweet from Craig Amai, who is currently working on Blizzard's as yet untitled survival game. Uh, but at the time he was a big deal in World of Warcraft. And he talked about how some, some of the reactions from fans, some of the ways they just assumed that he, he was acting in bad faith actually reduced him to tears mm-hmm. out of sheer frustration because he's out here trying to make a good video game that people want to play. And they're assuming that he's trying to sabotage them. Like, why would I do that? Why would I waste my time? So, yeah, I, I've never forgotten that. I've always remembered it, that it really struck me that, that people just want to assume the worst for no reason. Uh, but you guys, what do you think? Uh, right there with you. I can think of a more recent example of one that I saw with that beyond just the cross-faction stuff. But going back to Battle for Azeroth and the corruption system, I saw people, particularly as soon as one of the devs said, hey, I worked on this dogpiling on them with their complaints about not just not that they didn't like it or anything like that but like personal attacks and how they ruined the game and like it's not cool it's not all right and it's okay to not like something i was very vocal in the fact that i didn't like corruption i never blamed the devs for trying to ruin the game or try to personally attack them they're trying their best to make something fun does it always work no and not everything is for everybody and it's okay to not like something but it is never okay to personally attack somebody. Um, and as Zell's pointing out in in chat, yes, same person. Um, 
was streaming video games and the people that were mad about it showed up on his stream and just berated him nonstop to the point where he just stopped streaming, stopped being engaging with, with the community. It's never okay to do that. They're not doing this to try to ruin the game and priorities can shift. We literally just talked about it earlier in the episode. Like things change as we grow up, the game's going to evolve. What we want is going to evolve. It's going to shift. And things like this aren't quick decisions, like Matt pointed out. These things take time, and they're usually being planned for longer than you possibly can think. Um, just, it's never okay. It, it's it's like watching people attack uh, what Christy Golden was getting attacked for some character decisions that she didn't even have anything to do with, but people assume she did. Oh, yeah. We, we just, it's not okay. Hey. Stop attacking people. And also, Christy is a very visible woman on the WoW yeah. story team, and that plays a role into it that does. one too. Absolutely. Yep. So Liz, well, it's I'll- like I remember. Oh. I remember there was a, a tweet I did just as like it was just an afterthought tweet I did saying basically after a certain point, this is like it's not. It's like if you went to a restaurant and you got served food that you didn't like, it's fine to say I don't want to eat this and send it back. It's not fine to then follow the chef home screaming obscenities at him mm-hmm. while he's cooking something for himself in his kitchen. Like it, it, there's, there's, there's lines here. And the thing with Christy was it, like Liz just hit the nail on the head. Yeah. It was because she was a mm-hmm. woman and because she's a very visible woman and they knew who she was. It's like, but they just assume, well, she, you know, she did this. She's responsible. It's like, I, I'm not even involved in that. I, you know, that's, that's not what my job is. I don't do that. That's, that's not, the case and they just yeah it's the 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 i want to be angry and i want to yell at somebody thing really needs to die the heck uh, just die just stop doing that it's not useful it's uh, i don't know but liz i think please yeah i think we kind of i think it's very easy for players to have like an adversarial view of developers Mm -hmm. because it's And I don't, they shouldn't, but I think it's easy to set it up as an us versus them in your head because it's like, they're making this game, we're trying to beat the game. There's kind of an adversarial nature to that relationship. Just like inherently, if you just go in, you're playing the game, the developers are trying to make a difficult, challenging game. Like there's kind of like, oh, they did this and this personally hurts me and my character. Oh, they must have it out for, you know, there's that kind of thing. Like, um... It's, I think a lot of people make it very personal, like, oh, they did this just to hurt me or just to hurt my guild or just to prevent us from doing these things. Um, But the thing to remember is that game developers want games to be fun and their decisions are not always fun. (laughs) They don't always play out in the way they expect. They don't always work when you scale it up to millions of players, but they want to make a fun game. And I think the thing to remember here is that it's not an us versus them thing. It's not that they're making a game to try to beat us and we're trying to beat them. It's they're making a game trying to be it's trying to be fun. We're trying to have fun. This is a cooperative experience. I, um, I don't remember who it was, but one of the women who worked in, uh, I think, Encounter Design and World of Warcraft, I think it was Candace Thomas, actually, back when she was, that was her job, made the point that it is not her job to create encounters that kill you. Mm-hmm. It's, jo- it's her it was her job to make encounters that lose convincingly. Mm-hmm. The whole point mm-hmm. of it isn't to beat you. It's so that you enjoy the experience. 
so yeah, I, I and I'm kind of glad that you know it kind of slipped under the radar from BlizzCon because I know a lot of people would have said something mean about it if they noticed it, and that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. It's just you, they're not your enemies. They're not they're not out there trying to hurt you. That's not the premise of of the entire exercise. And that's something you need to think about when you're talking with developers and offering feedback and posting on the forums and things like that. Is that if you give genuine feedback, you know, that can, that can help. That can help the developers. Yeah. yeah, that can help the developers make a better game. If you say, okay, corruption is really terrible because of this, and I don't like it, and I hope you're going to steer away from this stuff, that's great. That can help Blizzard make a better game for all of us. Mm-hmm. And a better, more fun game is good for the developers. It's good for us. But if we just yell at the developers, then they're less inclined to engage. They're less inclined to participate in the community because whenever they do, we just hit them in the face. Uh, So really, we just need to remember this is a cooperative experience. We want to have fun. The developers want us to have fun. And we can help each other out. We can be civil to each other and we can have conversations about things we're enjoying things we're not enjoying, how things could be more fun, how things, you know, things we want, things we don't want. But it's cooperative. We're all here trying to play a video game. We should not be antagonistic about it. That does not help anyone. Yeah, it's it's one of those things like, I love this so much that I'm going to make sure nobody's working on it, is what it boils. It, that's, that doesn't track. Like, it, if we keep this up, it, who's going to be left to keep working on it if we chase everybody? So, like, and- it's a, sorry, go ahead, please. Like we see this whenever like something comes out, something mm-hmm. like when when WoW Classic came out, it was a whole thing. It's like where they just kind of there was a big there was kind of a backlash against the devs because the Blizzard devs had really pushed da- pushed back on the idea of Classic, uh, you know, saying you think you want it, but you don't was kind of the big thing. And everyone's repeating that. And um of course, like, this is a little different, but when uh, they announced Diablo Immortal, you had people asking if it was an April Fool's joke and really pushing back hard on that, and they still really are. But, you know, it's not a bad game. It's kind of a fun Diablo game, albeit a mobile game with microtransactions, but, you know, it's not a bad game. And uh, we get these things in our heads. People, the community gets these things in their heads, and they can be really mean about it. And we don't, we don't have to be. We can say... Okay, Diablo Immortal is a mobile game with all these microtransactions, and I don't like that. You can say that without being a jerk about it. Yeah, you, you're you. No one should be trying to force you to play anything, and nobody is. Yeah, because you, you remember it's your choice to keep playing. So yeah, I mean, it's one thing if you like you really invested in something, and it feels like they just keep making bad decisions, and the game is getting less and less fun for you. I can see being upset about that, but it's not. It's not personal. They don't. They don't even know you. I mean, they know everything about you because you know, they they can track all <laughs> your stuff. Absolutely. But at the same time, they, they're not out there creating the game, going, "Ah, at last, this this time I will def- deny Matthew Rossi his shoulder armor and laugh." You know, they didn't do that. It just happened that it never dropped for me, and I have to believe that, or I will go mad. Um, so yeah, it, it just it isn't personal. And and you're, when you're making it personal, when you make it aggressive. You you know all you're doing is making it so people won't listen to you. If you have real points to make, just make them, and 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 they will listen, even if it doesn't change immediately. Yeah, just just to add on that too, it's really easy also to get swept up in 
like an emotional knee jerk reaction to some things too, i.e. see uh, Diablo Immortal and how many people walked it back, myself included. I was not good about that at first. I will admit my mistake on that. And then I sat and actually took five minutes and thought about how I reacted and immediately apologized and walked that back. But give yourself five minutes to to sit and think about how you're reacting to it and not succumb to the knee jerk. Right. It's and it's hard. It is it is not an easy thing to do. Um, but it's the you can't always control what happens, but you can control how you react to it. So but I think at this point we're gonna have to wrap things up because I've got some stuff I have to do right now. So yeah, unfortunately. We could otherwise we could just do another half hour talking about D and D at the end, just just because. We could have I would yeah. I would like that. Uh yeah. but yeah, Blizzard Watch. Oh nope, I keep doing this. Joe talks. <laughs> It's okay. If you want to do it, you can, Um, but I'll do it for this time. Maybe we'll get Matt to do it next week. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ad's free site experience. Thank you very much, Joe. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. If you've got an email or question for the podcast, you can either email it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show. Or you can go to our Discord server and go to the patron queue and podcast questions channel if you're a patron or the queue questions channel if you're not a patron and ask your questions there and they will get used uh, as we can fill them up. Um I want to say thanks to everybody for listening with us. It's It's been a really rough year so far for a lot of us. And, and I appreciate you hanging on and, and hanging out with us. It's really, it's really nice that you're there, especially since this is our seventh year and that's just, we're so, and it's, and it's <laughs> because of you guys. I Liz said this back when we were talking about it, like in the, in the previous year, but this all exists because of you, you make this happen you make this site happen so yeah thank you very much thank you for being here with us this time and every time you have been and we're going to be back next week pumpkins hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.